Good morning. Uh, good morning if you're watching online as well, which is crazy to say, but kind of cool at the same time. Uh, in case you don't know, my name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant and really excited to be with you guys this morning. Very quickly, uh, last week I preached and we kind of jumped back into the book of James. And we talked last week about how James, James gets like right in your face. He, he gets right in your face and kind of holds a mirror up and uses different topics like our money or our speech or our care for the poor or the way we obey. He kind of has these different topics, puts them right in your face and kind of asks this question. Do you have true faith or is it this superficial, external, fake religion? And so today we're going to kind of move further into how James talks about the way we use our words. We're going to be in James 3 this morning. And I'm going to say this, kind of the big idea for today is this right here. Our words, your words, my words, our words can bring life. Have you ever, you see this in kids a lot. I see it with my kids a lot. I saw it with my kids a few minutes ago. They came in here, they were a little crazy. They're not listening right now. They're a little crazy. So we walked out and I was pretty frustrated. And we walked to the bathroom and I just said, hey guys, I, I wanted to go off. Just full confession right now. This is, like, this is like in the moment right now confession. It's great. And, um, but of course I'm preaching today, so that helps as far as accountability. And there was this sense of this is how we're going to act towards God, guys. And we prayed. And their spirits were lifted. Because our words can bring life. Have you ever had somebody when you're having a rough day or, or you're doubting your faith? Like that strongly, like you're, you're doubting your faith. And you get a phone call, you get a text, someone comes to your house, whatever it might be. And they share you an encouraging word. It literally brings life to your bones. Literally. An encur- you ever experienced that yourselves? But here's the flip side. Our words can also bring destruction. That's what James says. Let's look at James 3. And James, we're going we're gonna to be basically through James 3 to like half of James 4. So just buckle up. It's going to be a lot of fun today. Um, and James here in these kind of verses gives us kind of this three-act play. He gives us a picture of reality. He kind of shows us what the problem is. And then finally he gives us a solution. James 3 says this, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able, to, able also to bridle his whole body. It's this warning to teachers. Really, this whole passage we're going to look at is this warning to teachers. But here is the truth. In this new covenant, we, in a sense, all have a teaching responsibility. We all have somebody in our lives, especially in our homes, that we are teaching on some level, that we are modeling true gospel faith on some level. So James today is giving all of us teachers, all of us gospel proclaimers, a warning. Let's keep going. Verse 3. If we put bits into the mouth of horses... So they obey us. We guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. 
Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Listen to this language here. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. It's this picture that our tongues, our words, which seem so small, which are here one second and gone the next, can be the spark to light a fire. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. We're in dominion over those things. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Here is the reality that James is painting for us. Is that our words can be our greatest weapon for good or our greatest weapon for evil. Our tongues, it's this vivid picture he's giving us. His concern is the smallness of something having a large and destructive impact. The bit and the horse and the guidance illustrate this point. As a little bit can guide a large horse, so can the little tongue destructively impact the entire Christian community. Our words, and I will tell you this, I'm a very laid back person. You have to do a lot to truly offend me. You, you really do. And, and sometimes what happens with that is sometimes I don't take words seriously enough. So this is a true story. Ba- back in the day, back in my youth group days, um, I was at a youth group and me and Leighton Allen were running the roads together in, in his mom's Mazda van. And this is humbling, but me and Leighton sometimes could be sarcastic. And sometimes that sarcasm would hurt people's feelings. And so our youth pastor, in a lot of wisdom actually, put in, we were going on a mission trip, put in this policy that if you hear someone using disparaging words, Leighton and Jason, if you hear someone using those kind of words, say edit so we can remember to edify each other, right? And it's a reminder that for me, this small thing that I kind of take lightly, listen, It has tremendous, tremendous impact. So as we open God's word, as James holds the mirror up today for us, there is this sense that we have to truly reflect with humble reflection and investigation of our hearts and how we use our words. And I see three areas for us to church, for us to reflect for a moment on how we use our words and how we impact things. The first is this right here, in our homes. And how our words, our words can literally divide our families. I say with my wife over and over again, there are times when I'll call her or I'll get home. Um, I can be a bit of a control freak sometimes. And, and if I say, well, what about this? And my t- I know my tone. She knows my tone. And if I say something a certain way, I literally watch her demeanor just fall. I watch it fall. The other day I called her and um, our kids were being crazy and, and I let her go. But I had a spirit inside of me. The Holy Spirit kind of just pushed me to call her right back. And so I called her right back. And I said, hey, how are you doing? 
really, how are you doing? And she told me, rough day, rough week, rough life on some level, um, all these kind of things. And in that moment, I got to encourage her. And it's just, just beautiful reminder that our words have great impact. And our words, I saw a commentary said that our words have wings. Here's what it means. So think about my wife for a moment. When I bless my wife with encouraging words of who she is in Christ, those words have wings. Those words have legs. Here's what I mean. Because then my wife then goes and blesses my children. So instead of my wife being down and walking in frustration, she is walking with the power of the Holy Spirit and then blessing my children. And that affects the way my children live. And then here's the truth. I come home later and it's a different kind of house that I walk in. And then my household is this greater picture of gospel love and grace and patience and encouragement for me setting the right kind of spark. Does that make sense? Because that phone call can go a certain way because there's been times in my life and marriage and parenting where I call Tracy and she's down and I tell her why she's down. That always goes so well in my household because the tongue and our words have great, great impact. But here's the truth. Our concern for our words and how we use our words should not simply be about having a better day. They should be about laying a better gospel legacy. Here's what I mean. That my words and my kids, I should bless my kids with words, not so they act good today, but so that in 30 years, they're blessing their children with the same kind of gospel encouragement. Because our words don't just have great impact today, they have great impact for generations. And I know it's true because also our negative words, especially with our children and the ones we love the most, hear this. And if you have parents, you know this as well. They, they leave a mark. They leave a mark because the tongue can set a fire of destruction. But our words don't just affect our families and our homes. Our words can also affect the church. Our words, hear this friends, our words can end churches. I've seen words shut down communities. It's these really venomous words against brothers and sisters in Christ or even leaders of the church. Here's what we do. We tend to say that we're just venting, right? Well, I'm just going to vent this. We're not venting. We're setting the house on fire. Because hear this, our words, as James says, have tremendous impact. J Jesus Christ, what did he pray for in John 17 for going to the cross? What did he pray for? He prayed for our unity. He prayed that the world would see his love for us by our love for each other. We replace unity for our right to vent about how annoying our brothers and sisters are. Well, guess what? You're annoying too. We're all annoying together. That's the beauty of grace, isn't it? But our words can literally hear this. Your words can help people take a step away from the faith. James is saying it, and you have seen it. I have seen it. But our words don't just affect our homes, our churches. Our words can also turn the lost away from the faith. Our words can discourage people from taking steps of faith. Listen, when we speak with no grace, 
when we speak with no grace, like we just woke up, we were born perfect, and we said we have arrived. If we speak with no grace, but also speak as if we have no hope, as if whatever happens here is the end of our life, if that is our words as Christians, what message are we sending to the rest of the world? That we are perfect on one hand, on the second, on the second hand, we are just like them putting our hopes in money and jobs and health and all these things. And so when we do this, we're distorting the view of the gospel with our words. Hear this today, church. Words matter. Our words can bring life or our words can bring destruction. This is our reality. This is our reality. Our words bring life. Our words bring destruction. But then James shows us what our problem is as well. Go to James 4. James 4 verse 1. Where we see kind of the roots of our problem. James 4 verse 1. He says here, what causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You want something else besides God's what he's saying. Second two, number, uh, verse 2. You desire and you do not have. So you murder, you covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Verse 6. But he gives more grace. Amen. Therefore it says, and here is the key. God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The issue James is getting at in this passage is the main issue here. The root of even our word problems is this this idea of pride. This original sin that we know more, we want to be like, and we're better than God. We're at war with with God because we want things of the world, because we want to serve ourselves. We want to be God. We are full of pride. And we are full of pride. It taints our words. So our problem is this. Our words are tainted with our pride. Our words are tainted with our pride. Look at uh, verse 11, and you'll see how, pri- how pride then affects how we talk to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. James 4, verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother... Or judges his brother, speaks evil against the law, and judges the law. It's interesting. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? James is saying here that you, when you condemn others, that's the... When you condemn someone as not being right, at that moment, you have usurped 
the law. You have usurped God because the law and God are the ultimate judges. They condemn. We do not judge and condemn God's law, and God does that himself. And when you judge someone, you are taking the place of the law. In a sense, you're saying you're above the law. And if we're living our lives above the law, we're never doing the law. Does that make sense? We get sometimes obsessed with creating God's kingdom here on earth. The Christian life is much more about being than it is about doing and saying. But here's the tension for us. We hear these verses, do not judge, do not condemn. And that is correct and that is right. We have Paul in Ephesians 4 say this, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So how do we do this? If we're not to judge people, well, how do we actually speak the truth in love? Well, here's the, there's a fine line between judging, condemning, and speaking the truth in love. And that fine line is pride. That fine line is pride. Here's what I mean. Pride says, because I am like God, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to condemn you. Humility says this right here. Because I'm a brother in Christ, I'm your brother on the watchtower. And brother, I see you stepping out of line. I'm going to point you back towards Christ. Listen, your job, there is good news for us today. It is not your job to condemn or to judge anyone. You're off the hook. Congratulations. You can just save your time, save your mental space, save your energy. Here's your job. Love, pray, and point them to Jesus. Your job is not to condemn and we're con- when we're con- condemning folks, and here's how it always starts, doesn't it? Starts in our hearts. It goes to our closest person, spouse, best friend, about the other person, doesn't it? We see where they're off, and they are off probably, but we're not the judge. We don't condemn. But you know, this pride, it's like we think we need to like do God's job for him. Like, oh, uh, God does not see this. He sees this gross injustice here. So I'm going to do God's job for him. I'm going to get on Facebook. I will take God. You just go, just go hang out over there. I'm going to take care of this. I will condemn them, judge them, cancel them. It's all done. God, I took care of this for you. Thank you very much. I am so good at this. This pride, it pollutes. Hear this, friends. This pride pollutes how we use our words. Almost all of my frustrations with my kids comes down to this right here is I want to be served and my kids are not serving me and then I get frustrated and my words are polluted because of this pride in my heart that is our problem think about the words you've used in the past few weeks words where you know that you've been not self-controlled right if you look to the root of those things it's a pride issue it's the pride that you want to be served that you want to condemn, that you'll be left alone, whatever it might be, it's some kind of thing. And here's the dangerous thing for us in the world today is every message we hear is that life is all about serving ourselves. Every message you get is about that right there. So we have, to be, we have to be very mindful of this world that we're in or we'll just kind of walk right into pride, right? So we see that our words have great impact. 
But we have a real problem. Hey, we're born prideful, correct? We're born prideful. Then we live in a world, we live in a world that is all about maximizing your life and who you are. That's a real problem. And then because that, the way we use our words is polluted. It's stained. And it's condemning and hurting others and pointing them away from Christ. But James does not leave us hanging. James gives us the solution here. If our pride's the problem, what's our solution? Look at James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There is this real sense, friends, you have to run from the right ways of the world. You have to turn off the cell phone. You have to turn off the noise of the world. You have to flee from the ways of the world. Let me keep going. But here is the good news. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Let me say that again. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Go to Psalm 145. Please. Please and thank you. Go to Psalm 145. I read this. Me and Tracy are trying to memorize this. It's going slowly. But um, here in verse 3, I've just stated with this. Great is the Lord. 145.3. And he's greatly to be praised. Listen to this. And his greatness is unsearchable. What that means is God is so great, people. God is so great. He's so big. He's so loving. He is so much different than us that we can spend our entire lives searching and we'll never get close to discovering how great God is. And James is saying here, draw near to this unbelievably great God. But here's the good news. He'll draw near to us. Draw near to me, the guy who is many times not self-controlled, who gets frustrated, who says dumb things. He'll draw near to me. But we must first humble ourselves. Let's keep going. I'm getting way off topic here. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Let sin be bitter. Let your sin be bitter. Let the ways of the world, this pride-centered life that pollutes our words, let it be bitter to us. And here is the key. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Friends, if you think about this on a gospel level, on us being justified, our words If this is a trial about who we are, our words have convicted us. Every single person in this room, the words we have used, has declared us. It is the DNA evidence. It is black and white. We are guilty. And we have no hope because of those words. But God. But God. But God, through Jesus Christ, has made a way. He has made a way for us to draw near. But here is what our response must be. If pride is what got us here, humility and worship will bring us back to God. Humility and worship. So I, um, this is 
kind of off topic. I just started watching the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, I watched them back in the day and thought they were pretty dumb. So I gave it a second try because everybody talks how great they are. And it's pretty good. And I was watching it yesterday. And there is this scene that kind of gives a great picture of this. I'm not going to go full nerd on you, but where the one of the guys, the, the first guy, Bilbo, that guy, that guy, yes, he had the ring and he was giving it to the wizard guy and um, he was taking the ring and he, he just wanted the ring so bad and all these terrible things, he started screaming and going crazy because he wanted to keep the ring so bad. But then this wizard guy, he stopped being a wizard and became some like ginormous like ghost wizard kind of thing and it just scared the living daylights out of this character because he saw something greater grander stronger and better than himself at that moment he submitted he humbled himself and he gave everything up to this character and the same is true for us. If we, for just a brief moment, can just catch a glimpse of the beauty and the greatness of God, we have no chance but to humble ourselves right now. We have no other, no other thing to do except humble ourselves. And that's the first expression we must have to draw near to God. If our pride got us in this mess, humble submission will get us out. There is something much greater and wiser and better than you. Humbly submit and worship him. But here's the thing. We use words daily, don't we? I hope you do. We use words daily, so we must draw near to God daily. This isn't a one-time thing because we think, okay, I drew near to God in 1988 at VBS. So I am good. That's not the way this works. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, worship of God, being in all of him is the beginning of wisdom. Listen, this humble submission, this humble drawing near to God leads to wisdom. Which hear this, the goal of using our words is wisdom. Is that we want to speak wisdom out. So our solution today is this right here. As we draw near to God, our words are sharpened and sweetened. As we draw near to God, our words become wise. And wise words are sweet, but they're also sharp. Here's what I mean. Let's look at verse um, James 3, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, it's gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Those are sweet, life-giving kinds of words, aren't they? They're words that give nourishment to weary bones. But hear this, please hear this. When we are empowered through submission to God with the Spirit of God and we're given wisdom, we're not just given these light fluffy, nice words. We're given sweet words that bring life, but they also sharpen. They also sharpen and they challenge us to become more like Christ. Look at verse 18. And it says here, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. 
It sows this harvest of righteousness. It helps us effectively become more like Christ. Because we tend to hear this, do not judge, and we never, ever speak truth in love. We go the complete opposite way. The issue is not speaking truth in love. The issue is pride, correct? So as we draw near to God through humble submission, and God begins to change us the inside out, what he produces from our words is these humble, worshipful words that are sweet and they are sharp. The humbled and the worshiping tongue can do great things. Listen, they can do great things. We talked a lot about this idea of the negative impact of our words. And, and you th- we, I think we all do this on some level. We go to our funeral one day, right? And we think about what's, what are people going to say? At my, what are my kids going to say at my funeral? What's that going to be like? Maybe that's just me. I have no idea. Maybe I'm just very morbid. And we think about this kind of long-term thing, and we think of the negatives, don't we? Of We all are scared of messing our kids up on some level, right? In the tongue, it can be this little spark that sets the fire. That, that is true and that is right. But hear this. The tongue can also speak words that point people towards the path of Jesus. Your words spoken from you can have great impacts on somebody's life. Think about, um, I heard this story, uh, Parker Goforth, who a lot of you in here know, um, recently his dad passed away tragically. And uh, it's a very sad situation. And a few went to the, the memorial service or the visitation, went and saw him, and came back and I was talking to you guys about it. And many of y'all told me that what people said is, Parker said he never heard his dad say anything bad. And he was reflecting on his dad's life. He was reflecting that this man was a man who only spoke this gospel-centered truth in his life. And, and, and that is the picture, right? That when we do pass one day, that we have in a sense this legacy that our words, our humble words have produced. I'm going to ask you to do two things this week. Two ways to commit. First, we must commit to daily humbling. We must commit to daily humbling because we use words every day, right? So we must commit to daily humbling. And here's how I would encourage you to do that. Two things. Read Scripture deeply. Here's what I mean. Read so much of Scripture that your mind is set on the things of God. And then meditate deeply on Scripture. Because as you read about who God is and just focus on those words throughout your day, you will be humbled. And second thing, confess your sins. Confess your sins to God. Confess your sins to others. Confess, confess. It's this posture of humility. As we saturate on the words of God, our mind is renewed and we confess our sins. We are humbled. We are humbled and we walk in worship of God. And from that place, from that going back every single day, listen, you can't control what happens in your day. You cannot control what things will come at you every single day. Here's what we do is every day we come back to God. 
every single day we devote and commit ourselves to coming back to him and letting his word, his truth, his love humble us and renew us. And then we go out. So first thing, commit to daily humbling. Second thing, commit to a lifelong of sowing seeds with our words. Listen, James tells us this. We will never fully control our tongue on this side of heaven. You're not going to tomorrow never speak ill words ever again. But commit to a lifelong growth in the way you sow seeds. Commit to that today through humbling yourself. Because I imagine that the impact you guys could have in your life, that we as a people could have in our lives through this humble commitment. I'm going to end with this. Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Hear this, friends. Our words are desperately important because our words carry with them the salt of life, the bread of life, the good news, the only hope in the midst of this world. It's the words that God has given to us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for Lord, thank you for drawing near as we humble ourselves and draw near to you, you draw near to us. Just that phrase is humbling in itself. Lord, forgive us for our words have not brought life to others today. Forgive us of that, Lord. And Lord, I ask through our humility and our confession that today we start a new legacy of our words. Words that bring life. Lord, speak to us today, Lord. Make yourself known. Let us commit to a step of faith. We love you. Praise Jesus' name. Amen. Before I get down, I want to encourage you. Let us know what God's doing in your life. Text that number, 318-299-8515. Text hello. Let us know how we can pray for you, what God is doing in your life. Take a card on the table. Let us know what God is doing in your life.